на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки цветут. Hello and welcome back to a special episode of the RFN podcast. In our fourth European Club Preview special, I'm your host, James Nichols, as always. And this week, I'm also joined by Rob Van Elevoot of the Kain Galil podcast to discuss things all fine order ahead of their tie in Moscow with Siska. So, good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, James. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, well, I say I'm good, but after we suffered two teams getting knocked out of Europe last night, um, it could have been better, but <laughs> tonight, local playing, they're quite optimistic about Loco's chances for once, despite the group. And then, of course, Siska back again. Yeah. Um, now, of course, Siska are currently top of the RPL and have been pretty good of late in the in the domestic form. They've only lost one game in 10. And that one game was, of course, last time out um, against Feyenoord at Rotterdam. Now, Feyenoord won 3-1, which seems quite a... Quite glamorous and an easy win, but I'm not quite sure if it was. I think it was a little bit closer than the scoreline suggests. So, what are your thoughts on the first leg and how the game went? Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. It could be a lot closer than three-one, but uh, to be honest, it was our uh, maybe it was our best performance this season so far. I really didn't expect to to win because Seskau, is what you said, is on top of the Russian league. And we were not doing that great in Europe. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, surprised to win uh, from you guys. And I thought in the first 10 minutes or so, uh, my feelings were quite different than after 90 minutes. Uh, because in the first 10 minutes, I thought, oh, this is going to be really difficult. But uh, mm-hmm. we played well. And uh, I think what I said, it was the best performance so far. Yeah. No. I must admit, I was a little bit afraid of Feyenoord, if that's the right word, before when the group stages were announced. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, w- I was taken aback by the result against Wolfsburger. Now, obviously, three of those goals were penalties. Oh, but, right. Yeah. But what happened in that game? How did they kind of fall apart so much? <laughs> uh, it's it's easy to blame the referee for this one. Uh, it's the most easy out way for, uh, for an excuse. Uh, but I think he played a really big part in, in that match. We were we were awful to to begin with. Uh, we didn't deserve anything uh, but a but a draw at at top. We didn't deserve yeah. to win. But there were three penalties, and at least two of them were quite ridiculous, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it was a crazy match, and I was really really angry. Uh, we experienced uh, we experienced a match like this in I think it was 2015 against AS Roma in the in the um, uh, last 32 in the Europa League, and it really reminded me of of that game. Uh, we we were stolen from a maybe mm-hmm. a draw. It was awful, but we we were playing really bad, really bad. So I was mad. Yeah. yeah. See, up until that last game, I mean, I like you say, you mentioned the, the penalties and blaming the possibly blaming the referee in the Wolfsburger game. Yeah. In the Feyenoord Cisco game, of course, two of the goals were marginally offside, but regardless of that, I don't think Cisco really showed enough attacking threat and enough star quality at either end of the pitch. The 
yes, one of the guys was off in an offside position, but when he crosses the ball in, there's just not a defender for miles. Like, you, you can't be defending like that at this level and get away with it. And that's kind of been Siska's issue this season in Europe. The build-up play has been brilliant up until the final third. Yeah. And that's really Siska and Viktor Goncharenka. They pass it, they have their plan A. But if anyone sits back to the wall against them or they come up against, in Feyenoord's case, a, a more a more elite defence, a stronger defence, then the, the players do really tend to struggle to break the, the final line down. We've played uh, Chidera Ajuke up top. Yeah. Um, we played Shalov up top, Adolfo Gai, Chano Sigurdsson, all of them playing the, that central striking role, and none of them have really had that much of an impact. Now, Gaich did score, but it was a bit of a tame shot, and aside from that, I thought he was really dreadful in that game. Yeah. Um, and that's when I look at Feyenoord's side, they do seem to have a little bit more star quality than, than Siska's, apart from maybe Vlasic, who's the best player in Russia by quite some distance at the moment. Yeah, exactly. But, but domestically, Feyenoord's, how have, they, how have you been performing in their divisa? Uh, so far, um, we're doing okay, I think. Uh, in the first few matches, we, we drawn a lot of matches we should have won. So I think at the end, we should have, have like three or four points more than we do have now. But we're in third position, which is, which is acceptable for now. Um, we really wanted to play for the championship. I think it's going to be difficult, to be fair. Uh, although we have a long road to go. But um, I think that's not going to happen. Uh, but third place is okay. And sometimes we play very good football. Uh, but most of the times I'm a little bit disappointed. But we, uh, we are... Yeah... I should say it like this: It's it's hard to lose against us, uh, to, uh, to win uh, from us. I mm-hmm. think that's our main quality. Uh, we don't uh, play uh, beautiful football that much, um, but we, I don't know, we are a team, and that's a good yeah. thing uh, with some good defenders and one one star in the front, uh, which is Steven Berghuis, our number ten. He didn't score at uh, Sky, I think. Uh, but but he's our star player, and um, so we have a good mix. We have a good mix of uh, players, but we we normally we we score a seven almost uh, every every game or a six, but it's never a nine. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, definitely. It's hard to win from a from a very big team. So that's why I was surprised to see us uh, play that well against uh, CSKA. Um But in the competition, we're we're doing okay. Our last game was good, actually. We, we we came behind after a few minutes. And after 15 minutes, we had a red card. So we, we played with 10 men, but we won uh, 3-1. So that's good. Yeah, we're doing okay. Like I give it a six and a half. <laughs> yeah, Berkheis, was. I thought I was really impressed by him in the last game. I thought he, I'm sure he set up Paps for the first goal, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah. you can tell he's got that star quality that's just the the level above a lot of what we're seeing on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I mentioned, Siska themselves are actually top of the RPL, and they started off quite poorly, but are really getting a, a very solid run together. And a lot of that is basically Nikola Vlasic is, is in outstanding form this season. He's carrying the team almost single-handedly at times, to be honest. Yeah. The big performance was this, the recent derby win against Spartak, the 1-3-1. That counts, and, I think. 
Yeah, massively. When you got a player like that, then you've you're in any game really at this at this level where it's it's quite an evenly matched group. But that sort of player can can really change the game to your favour. Yeah. But so, like I said before, Siska, even even domestically, they do have issues breaking teams down. They've, they've drawn with Ufa, who are bottom of the table in Russia, and oh, yeah. really having a terrible season. And um, and they they pack their defence and. I understand what you meant meant about Feyenoord. It's kind of like the you won't necessarily Feyenoord won't cause themselves to lose, but the team they're playing, you have to go out and beat them. Yeah. Um, and I, I I do worry about that from Siska's perspective. If Vlasic maybe isn't on form, or if because you're playing such good opposition, if it's just him on form on his own, then it it what happens is what happened last week where. They just weren't good enough for yep. large swathes, to be honest. Once again, really struggling to break teams down. Yeah. Uh, and even then, it was what Siska, I think, only had four shots on target throughout the whole of the 90 minutes, which is the worst at all and out of the three. And and Chidera Ajuke, his the, the Nigerian winger, aside yep. from Heron Bain, of course, you'll you'll probably know quite well. Yeah, and we know him. Yeah. He's. He's a very hit and miss player where sometimes he's lightning and uh, really very dire. His directness really drags Siska out the, in the final third and, and his dribbling ability is brilliant. But then he's a little bit hit, a very hit and miss yeah. in the final third. Um, he was, I think he completed more dribbles in 45 minutes against Dino Zagreb than any other player in Europe had at that point, but didn't make a single key pass, didn't have a single cross into the box, no, that's just nor insist or shot on goal or anything. Yeah, yeah, we know him, of course, from the from everything what you said, and we uh, talked about uh, getting him to final, but it was way too expensive for us. I think uh, Siska paid around 12 million euros or something for him. Yeah, we didn't have that. We are we are not that rich. Um, but that's his problem, exactly what you're saying. He's, he's very dangerous. Uh, I think our uh, the wing backs are going back if he comes uh, through. Um, mm-hmm. But the last, the final pass or, or, or hitting a, a goal is still difficult for him. But it's an attractive player to to watch. I think that's that's true. Uh, but he should learn a lot, I think. And hopefully he, he won't show it on Thursday. Uh <laughs> because then we're screwed. Yeah, and Siska's problem is is that really where, apart from Vlasic, of course, they they don't have that real final star quality, and it's because most of the squad are really still developing. It's the youngest squad in Russia by quite some distance, and I think right. it's the second youngest in in the Europa League right now. They've got a lot of promise, yeah, and the, a lot of them are really only developing that promise into game by game. Um, Delivering uh, like uh, Ivan Obliakov has came from Ufa with Goncharenko, and he's he's a very very tidy young midfielder, yeah. and it's only this season that he's really coming into his own, and you can see that he is the future of Siska's midfield and the national team's midfield. He's been that good for them. He's probably been the best player behind Flasic. Yeah. Um, of course, Feyenoord are now in, now bossed by the former Zenit man uh, Dick Advoka. Yeah. So. How is Afrika faring and what sort of style of play does he implement upon the side? Is it very typically Afrika where it's defence first and then figure out the rest from there? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, that's what he brought when uh, he came last year in, I think it was October 2019. 
We had Jaap Stam, the great defender in, uh, of uh, the Netherlands in the late 90s and 2000s. You know him, I think. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Definitely. Um, he, Tom really played some, wanted to play some real unrealistic football, like high pressure. We didn't have the squad for that style of play. Uh, mm-hmm. Very slow defenders, so it was impossible to play high pressure. Um, and Dick Advocaat just brought a lot of, I think, realism. Is that a good word? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's what he brought to us, and he keep he keeps doing that. I think sometimes he is uh, a little bit too conservative. Um, you know, we played in the Europa League, we played nil-nil uh, against Dinamo Zagreb away. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think with some attacking changes, uh, we could have won that game. But Dick thought after 60 or 70 minutes, all right, nil-nil is enough. Uh, we're happy about this. And uh, let's get uh, back to Holland with one point uh, where we all as fans thought, well, this... This was the one to to get three points out of Croatia, yeah. Um, and that happens uh, a little bit too much, in my opinion. Uh, so that's sometimes is frustrating. But um, in interviews, uh, he's a happy man. He is. He 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 gave us um, uh, he gave us some pride back. I think that's a good word. Yeah. And uh, he's by far the most charming uh, coach. Uh, at the top three in Holland. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. It's very similar to what, obviously, as our listeners know, I'm a Sunderland fan. Uh, and it's very similar to what he did with us, where he galvanised the squad, stopped us trying to play too expansive football, kind of brought us back to basics. Yeah. And that really, I mean, it kept us up more than anything, first from the real torrid time and towards the end of Gus Poyet's reign. Yeah. And then... Like you mentioned, he's, he's he's a very charismatic man. You, you don't expect it when you first come in, and you hear these rumours, like, oh, anyway, in, in the English lexicon, anyway, we hear these rumours of someone like Advocar being like the little general, being like, yeah, like, yeah. like take, yeah. take nothing. But he was really quite charismatic and funny and surprisingly so as well, and very emotional. Very um, emotional, yeah. When we when we stayed up final game of the season with a very typically Advocar brilliant nil-nil defensive performance away to Arsenal, he was him and his assistant Bird Van Lingen, with decades experience between them, were crying their eyes out in the side of the pitch because <laughs> that's just what football means to them, I suppose. But um, Siska drew also drew nil nil with Dinamo Zagreb, but it was at home, unfortunately for them. Yeah. Um, but it was a totally different game. I think it was even on possession, really. But in territor- territorially, Siska spent the majority of the game in in Dinamo's half and attack after attack and I think they had like 20 odd shots on goal in the end and All right. and they just couldn't find the back of the net which is a, a, running, a reoccurring theme for Siska and to be fair Russian clubs in general in Europe this season and that's when they tried they had Vla- uh, Chalov up front and, and he with teams brought off for, for Gaich yeah. the next game of course Gaich started up front and Chalov came on and then Sigurdsson started against uh, Feyenoord yeah. The, the big issue with Goncharenka and Siska in general is that they don't really have a plan B. Their plan A is overload the flanks through Mario Fernandez and Bakhtiar Zinutinov attacking very high down either side. Yeah. Kachayev and Azuke or whoever it is on the opposite wing cut inside and then the, 
they continue like that and recycle play out wide, cut into the flank, cut into the channels, try and control territory around the opposition box. Um, and then if there is a packed defence, like Dinamo's, like Wolfsburgers, and then like Feyenoord's, which wasn't as packed, but just brimming with real real steely determination. Like, I think those yeah. Feyenoord defenders are, are just like really consistent. Like Spahic, we all know very well from his time yeah, at Yeah, and Senesi, I mean, Senesi scored an own goal, but there's not much you could do about that. They're just very consistently solid. Um, and Siska struggle. And then they, they have Gaich, who's the target man, and totally different to the rest. Yeah. But even when they bring Gaich on, they don't really go for a plan B and try and play a bit more direct to try and force the defenders into doing something differently. It's just That's the same every time. Yeah. So they're kind of a little bit like chalk and cheese, but... Not both, neither the best going forwards, if that's fair to say. Yeah, I think um, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, and I think so it's true. You kind of alluded to who I think you might say here anyway, but who would be Feyenoord's danger men for the tie? Um, well, of course, we have a one-star man, a star player, and that's uh, Steven Berghuis. He's our number 10, a right winger. Hmm. Uh, he has a great left, uh, left foot. Um He's a brilliant player. I think he's too good for final, but we're we're thanking uh, the Lord every day. He's he's still playing <laughs> with us. Uh, he's our captain as well, and he's a really good captain. Although some people uh, don't think so, uh, he really has a good mentality, and uh, he also has an eye and a feeling for the other players if they are mm. unhappy or whatever. He he pushes them up and. Um, so yeah, that's a star player. But we, uh, you mentioned Senesi. Marco Senesi is uh, our Argentinian um, defender. Um, I think he's brilliant. He uh, he scored an own goal against uh, Cisca, but uh, last Sunday, and maybe uh, if your listeners want to uh, watch that uh, goal, you have to type in uh, Marco Senesi goal, and I think you'll uh, it's the first hit on YouTube. He really scored a magnificent uh, volley uh, just outside the 16 uh, meters. Um, it was it couldn't hit that one better. And um, a few weeks before, he had a bicycle kick, also scored. Uh, he's a very complete, <laughs> complete defender, and uh, uh, so maybe some danger in corners or uh, something like that could happen from mm-hmm. him. And uh, Hopefully, our striker Nikolai Jurgensen is fit enough to play. Um, he's injured most of the time, last two or three years. Um, in the year we became champion in 2017, he scored 22 or 21 goals. Um, he nice. came from Copenhagen, um, and we we really want to see that that form again from him. Um, so hopefully he will do that on Thursday, but maybe it's too early. Yeah, may not be back in time. Now, from Siska's point of view, yeah. uh, of course, the danger man is, is without a shadow of a doubt, Nikola Vlasic. Yep. He's, as I mentioned earlier, I can't really put in too many words, just uh, too many superlatives, just how really highly I rate this lad. And I think he will make his way to the top of the game, following in the footsteps of Alexei uh, Moranchuk from Russia and so on. And, He's just taken the league and Cisco by storm since his arrival from Everton. And the more he plays, the less... When he first came, he was he was very effective, but it was more so just 
breaking into the box, getting the odd goal and assist. And yeah. and now he's really dictating play from his number 10's point of view. He He's coming short for everything, going long. He's a set-piece specialist. He's scores from anywhere inside the box, outside the box. He creates now. And Siska basically needs him to be on form to get anything from the game. Yeah. Um, there were the big players are actually going to miss the game, we, we think, anyway. And Konstantin Kachayev, uh, he picked up a knee injury and uh, is in Gunfiktor Kontrenka confirmed that he will miss the match and he's been in very good form this, this season. Yeah. Uh, Mario Fernandez down the right flank is the best right-back in Russia by quite some distance. And most of Siska's good play comes from him uh, overloading the lateral with uh, linking in with Kachayev uh, Vlasic and then sometimes Alan Jagoyev who like Jorgensen has been injured constantly what feels like now for yeah. for almost a decade And but Zagoyev is a big name right? In Russia? Yeah 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 huge huge name he's played um, European or World Cups I think also yeah definitely he played in 2018 he really came into the international stage in 2008 and 2010 yeah. As a, as a young and exciting winger, and then played in in just about every it has played in every major tournament Russia have been in. But his injuries have really set him back year in year out, yeah. um, especially of late, where he's been just bit part play, bit part games every five or ten minutes here, and then he's out for a game. Uh, he's actually out for this game because he's got COVID, which is of course not injury related, but. He will miss the match, oh, and right. Mario, Mario Fernandez is is a massive doubt as well, um, due to injury. He's facing a late fitness test, All right. um, so not not the best. I mean, injury news for Siska is that Victor Varsin's back, who, if he plays, is probably good news for Feyenoord because he's the most mistake prone defender I've ever seen in my life. He's <laughs> truly terrible. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> Awful, which is worse news than um, Kachayev and Zagoyev being out, but. Yeah, but, but yeah, you talk about Russian defenders now. Uh, what what was his name again? <laughs> Victor Farsen. Farsen, all right. Mm. Um, you know Spajic. Uh, how does he? Uh, w- w- what's your opinion of Spajic in Russia? I must admit, he's probably Siska's. Uh, sorry, Krasnodar, one of Krasnodar's best defenders over the last couple of years, and it was really surprising when he left and especially because they have haven't adequately replaced him whatsoever um kayo was mistake ridden to be fair to him Yegor sorokin who was the signing to replace bayic hasn't really kicked on from his early promise at ruben kazan and then of course martinovic is 35 now he's just far too old and then krasnodar's biggest issues in the champions league this season have been shooting themselves in the foot be it Awful goalkeeping or just ridiculous errors, awful penalties to give away, um, real glaring mistakes that he just can't afford to make at that level. And if the limelight has really come down onto Sergei Galetsky, the owner, and Murad Masayev, the manager, for the decision to A, get rid of Spajic, and then B, not replace him adequately enough whatsoever, because Spajic was from definitely... The, one of the first choice defenders alongside Martinovic for Krasnodar and a, a very highly rated as well. Yeah, yeah we're happy with him, uh, I have to say. Uh, he was out. I don't know if he's back on Thursday again. Uh, I think he had... Well, I may say not say it right. Uh, but I thought he had COVID as well. 
so I think he'll be back now, um, just in time. Yeah, it gave us some rest. It's not the best, um, um, not the best footballer, maybe. Uh, but, yeah. but he is a stable defender. I think that's uh, that's good. Yeah, and that was generally the reason why he was dropped from Krasnodar's side and why he was sold because. Cross the way Krasnodar play football, they want the defenders to be footballers yeah. first as well as solid defenders. And Kyle was very, very good at progressing the ball out from defence. So Espaich, his job was basically just to get the ball and give it to the midfielders. And they wanted more from that role. Uh, the problem with doing that is, is that Kayo is just nowhere near as good with his back to goal. And his concentration levels and positioning aren't the best. And for me, that's the number one job of a defender, no matter how good they are on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, but we're happy with him. Uh, mm. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a decent defender. Yeah, it's good to hear that he's doing well. Um, but what are your speaking of doing well? What are your long term expectations for Feyenoord in the Europa League? I presume, <laughs> of course, qualification to the next round is is the main one right now. Yeah. Um... I'm maybe in our group, in our podcast, I'm the most optimistic man. Uh, so I think we have a chance also Thursday, but also in general. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I think it's six years ago now we, we, we've we managed to proceed to the last uh, 32. Um, so we really need that to 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 do it, to, to be one or number two in this group. Um I think we deserve it as well, but um, it's it's still going to be difficult because it, this group is so close. Everything can happen. Uh, you're down by two points, uh, uh, Ciska, uh, but you still have every chance to proceed. So there's nothing really to. I can't. I I, I really have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, Thursday, we have a possibility if there there's going to be a miracle Thursday. You know why? Uh, if we win in Russia, it's going to be our first away win in six years in Europe. Mm-hmm. We have we have lost or drawn all of our matches uh, in six years away. Uh, yeah, so that's terrible. We <laughs> and that's why I was so you know uh, what I told you about Dinamo Zagreb uh, away. We really could have won that one. Uh, but just uh, Advocat being a little bit too happy with a draw, um, I think we've we've could have won over there. Um, so that's that's a that's a pity. Um, but maybe it happens Thursday. It, it, it's gonna go, get closer anyhow. The first win in six years. It's it's around the corner. I hope. It's it's funny that you mentioned that about the long ter- long run, but Cisco themselves have actually only won two uh, one game in the last ten at home in the in the European football, and that was ironically against Real Madrid when they did the double over Real. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and still did one did the double over, over Real and still managed to finish finish fourth in the group, which is pretty pretty uh pretty uh unique to be to be fair. Crazy. Um, Cisco themselves haven't been doing. Too great in the champ in the in Europe in general of late. They um, finished last in the group in the Champions League in 2015, 16, 2017, and then the last two years. Uh, the one aberration to that is they 
finished third in the Champions League group stage in 2017-18. Yeah. And then got through to the quarterfinal of the Europa League, in which they lost 6-3 on aggregate to Arsenal. Um, so that's the only like like Feyenoord time that they really progressed far in European competition for some time. Yeah. Um, of course, they won it in 2005, which was the first ever European trophy under famous like legendary manager Valery Gudzayev. But to be frank, my expectations for Siska in the Europa League this year is getting out of the group. At the, when the group was draw was made, I must admit my initial thoughts were Feyenoord first, Siska second. All right, um, Feyenoord first. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. But I am, um, like you said, you're the most optimistic, and yeah, I, at Russian football news, I'm probably the most pessimistic. Oh, really? Why do you? <laughs> but, um, thought, I thought Feyenoord was going to be first. It, it's still possible, but why did you hmm. thought, thought that in advance? It's just the, look at the quality of the side throughout. The Russian teams have a tendency to look good on paper, but then when it comes to it, choke at the worst of times, uh, um, which this season really is showing. We'll concede last-minute goals, uh, goals through terrible mistakes, missing sitters. Uh, Krasnodar have led and went behind. Siska have been pretty woeful in front of goal. And, and at this stage getting out of this group stage and just getting into European football beyond Christmas would be quite a good result for them. Uh, get a little bit more income coming in. Yep. But, but yeah, that, that, that's it really. I mean, I must admit I am, as lis- as our listeners know we're quite well, I am a Spartak fan, uh, which is Siska's big rivals. <laughs> Me going pessimistic on Siska is probably quite expected, but Apart from Vlasic and Mario Fernandez, I'm not quite sure if they have the star quality to really go far in Europe anymore. And I, I don't think Russian sides in general do. There's lots of domestic issues, such as the foreigner limits, of which we have to have only eight eight foreigners in the squad. Yeah. Um, limits all of the teams in Europe because you you've got your first team playing in Europe, and then you can't add to that you can't get more in because everyone you have to bring in at this point you have to get one out and and then playing so many games at the weekend you're just playing your second team and then they really go and long runs of quite bad results uh, so there's just lots of issues plaguing the russian game at the moment and then it's all kind of coming to a head with how badly the perform the national team are performing how badly the Teams in general performing. Dinamo Moscow lost in the qualification for the Europa League. Rostov lost in qualification. Dinamo Moscow lost against Lokomotiv Tbilisi, which is just unheard of. And then, oh yeah, not a single one of our group stage sides in any competition have picked up a win yet. So, long term expectations at best just get out the group stages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, predictions for the game on Thursday. Uh, like I say, I am pessimistic, so I'm just going to go boring nil-nil. Um, I fear that Siska, unless Vlasic has turned the brilliance on, uh, without some key players, just might not be able to break final down. That would be good news, uh, actually. Uh, what you say about Russian uh, football clubs, uh, clubs, they have the ability to choke at the, the worst time uh, possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that counts for final as well. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm optimistic, but it's more based on hope than on uh, expectations. Uh, so my hope is we will win. My expectation 
I think we will draw again. Um, and I hope to see some goals. So let's say 1 1. That's what mm. I think. Nice. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today, Rob. Uh, it's been. It's been a nice little conversation to hear about both sides. And thank you. And for any any Dutch speakers who are out there, make sure to go listen to the Kind Galil podcast. Yeah. Um, and Rob, where can everybody find yourself and your work online? Uh, everybody can find our podcast at uh, soundcloud.com slash Um It's key A-I-N-G-E-L-O-E-L. Maybe you have to listen to this uh, again because I was going too fast. Um, <laughs> or kangaloo.nl, which stands for Netherlands, of course. Uh, so there you can find us. Um, um, we can find your podcast. Uh, I think uh, if we uh, see your Twitter account, Russian Football News, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as usual, ours is all the same places. It's at Russ Football News podcasts on uh, SoundCloud, yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and so on. Any personal Twitter accounts is for yourself or the Kangaloo one at all? Or? Uh, yeah, on on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, you can follow Kangaloo Pod from podcast, P-O-D. Um, or my, my Twitter you can follow as well. Uh, I'm not that active, to be honest. I retweet a lot, uh, <laughs> but that's it. Um, you can uh, see Rob van Eelewoud, and I hope you spell my name somewhere in a uh, text <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's my Twitter account as well, just my full name. Um, I've, can I ask you one a question, James, for our listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm curious about one thing. Um, you're a fan of Russian football, especially from Spartak, uh, mm-hmm. but you're an Englishman. <laughs> How come? Yeah, I get this quite a lot. Um, we kind of at RFN, we one of our writers, Ilya, is a uh, did a, an interview with a lot of our writers and. Basically asking why, like why follow Russian football when it's a bit crazy and to the, as the Russian themselves say, a bit shit yeah. um, when you're English. And from my perspective, anyway, it's I studied Russian and Soviet history in my master's degree. Oh, wow. Uh, and basically just wanted to make something useful out of a master's degree in 2020 because there's not much useful, usefulness from a master's uh, in, in history anyway. Yeah. And then... From there, it's just watching Spartak in the Champions League as a child in the 90s and really kind of being surprised by who are this team from this country that I've never really heard of and they've just beaten some of the biggest English sides. Why is this? And then followed on from there. And most of our writers are the same, but um, in this in this interview that Ilya did, one of the favourite things that I've ever heard from the site is one guy said that we do more for Russian football than the Russian football union does. And then oh, yeah. another fellow replied that with that they're all crazy sadists, which is both the second one's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny. Oh great. Yeah, right. so that's uh, so you studied Russian. Can you maybe uh, say uh, good luck on Thursday in Russian for us? Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I didn't study the language. Oh, I studied the history. The language, okay, okay. Yeah, right. as as the listeners know, my my own Russian is absolutely horrendous. Oh, okay. And so let's... I always get um get get jibes off the other guys in the, in the, our various RFN chats for my 
awful pronunciations and then the listeners all go like yeah yeah it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) all right okay let's not do that then (laughs) so rob thanks for joining me thank you you, uh, for having me yeah so everyone else uh, if you guys keep an eye out for the next episode of the rfn podcast and that'll be out later on this week we'll be reviewing all of the european action and having a look at the upcoming games in the rpl goodbye for now Футбольный матч летит над полем мяч. Веди его, беги, точнее его ударь. Но мяч берет ноги решительный вратарь. Не напрасно футбольное поле самых ловких и смелых плечок. Здесь нужны тренировка и воля, быстрота, увлечение, расчет.